Hello there and welcome back to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews with your two hosts, two men who have never picked up a bride while on a beer run, it's Bread Roll and JT. Uh, well again, Bread Roll, speak for yourself. But um, <laughs> yeah, hello everyone, we're back again um, and this is my choice this week and I know if you heard last week's episode, Bread Roll wasn't particularly enamoured with this one. So what are we actually looking at then? Well, you know better than me, JT, but you're right, at first I wasn't enthusiastic um but we are doing Smokey and the Bandit which was directed by uh Hal Needham it stars Burt Reynolds and Sally Field it came out on May 19th 1977 it runs for 96 minutes it had a budget of 4.3 million but it came back with 300 million which is actually fucking amazing I mean I know Burt Reynolds was big stuff back in his day but it's a massive box office it's huge, isn't it, from a piddly little budget. This was the second highest grossing movie of 1977 behind only Star Wars, which obviously was ridiculously highly grossing. But yeah, 300 million from a 4 million budget is a pretty good turnover. That is ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I was going to look and see uh, what that kind of translates to in today's money, but either way, it's a massive profit. And apparently this spawned a couple of sequels. I mean, I'd never seen this um, this morning when I sat down to watch it. It's the first, and, first time I've ever actually seen it. I what I knew about the film was minimal and it was nothing like what I was expecting, which obviously we'll discuss when we go through it. But apparently it's got a couple of sequels. Have you seen any of them as well? I think I might have done because, as I said last week, this was a massive childhood favourite of mine, along with um, Cannibal Run, another Reynolds film, Convoy as well with Chris Christopherson. Um, so I probably have seen sequels. Um, apparently the second one was okay from what I read on Wiki last night, doing a few notes on this. The third one, only had a very small cameo from Burt Reynolds in it. And I think it focused on uh, Justice and his son, the, the sheriff and his son, more than anyone else. I don't think Sally Field was in it at all, although she was in the second one. And apparently absolutely bombed at the box office. I think it had like a nine million budget and took about three million. So it did really badly. So I'm not sure. I probably have seen them though, but I can't, couldn't tell you anything about them. Oh, fair. You mentioned it there, Cannibal Run. That's another movie I've um I've never seen. I just wasn't I just wasn't into this sort of thing when I was a kid. I mean, I know this is seventies. I watched a lot of seventies uh, movies growing up, but um, yeah, I had no idea what this was about. And the only things I think I have seen Burt Reynolds in films. The only two that um ever popped to mind is Deliverance and um, Boogie Nights. But I always, for some reason, get him mixed up with um Tom Selleck. It must be like the tall, big, broad-shouldered, big mustache look. But I always get those two confused. I can see why, because they are quite similar looking. Um, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, like, the reason I got really into these films, my best friend at the time, who I haven't seen for years now, but his dad was a lorry driver, and I used to think it was really glamorous. Like We used to go in his cab sometimes and only see the sort of glamour side, you know, trucking down the motorway and stuff. Didn't see the shit side of it. So obviously Snowman in this film is the lorry driver. You've got um, Convoy. was all about lorries. It was literally a convoy of trucks. So... I think that's what got me into these sort of films, the road movies, and my parents used to watch them. I mean, I wouldn't have seen this in 77. I was born in 77, but I was little, so I wouldn't have, probably in the 80s when I started watching this, but I know it was one that was on repeat, constantly on the old uh, video player back in the day. Um, but I hadn't seen it for about 35 years until I watched it last night. So um, most of it had totally gone over. Well, I couldn't remember most of it. There's a few bits here and there, but it was almost like watching it for the first time again. Oh, nice. Yeah, I used to like the idea of trucking when I was younger. Um, the only two movies I remember watching uh, with trucks in them was um, Jewel, 
which I think was an old Spielberg movie, mm. and um, one called Maximum Overdrive, which has got Emilio Estevez, and it's just all these trucks come to life, and there's one with like the Green Goblin on the front of it, and it's trying to kill everyone. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever seen that. It's just really random, obscure horror movie, but used to. I haven't. I've seen Jewel um, probably once. You, you never see the driver, do you? Or do you don't see any of the characters, do you? It's just a truck in the car, if I remember rightly. You certainly don't see the driver of the truck, if I remember rightly. Um, no, I don't but, think you see him. But I think you see the driver of the car. But yeah, you're right. They make the truck out to be almost like a villain itself. But there is a driver yeah. in there. Yeah. I mean, lorry driving definitely isn't glamorous. Uh, just to go back to my <laughs> mate's dad at the time. I mean, he, he got divorced because of it because he was never at home. Um, so it's definitely not glamorous. But we used to think it was back then when we were kids. Yeah, I mean, just you think anything's glamorous when you're a kid, don't you? I mean, I watched the movie Men at Work, and never Emilio Esther wears one, and I thought being a dustbin man would be really cool. Obviously, <laughs> it definitely isn't. No disrespect to the dustbin men, obviously. Thanks for doing the work. But yeah, these things uh, look a bit different when you're a kid. Unless you're Bill Duke, obviously, with an Uzi, then it might be glamorous. But, you know, <laughs> you don't see many bin men like that around here, thank God. Just a couple of little yeah. tidbits before we run through the synopsis there, Bread Roll. Again, pulled from Wiki. Um, so this whole thing with cause which is the beer that they're smuggling apparently in 1977 when this was made it was actually unavailable for sale on the east coast of oklahoma um so it had no additives or preservatives so it meant it could go off in just one week um so that's why the film's got a 28 hour deadline because apparently cause was was pretty dodgy back then and also sally field has said in interviews sort of prior or past when this after this film that it was all improvised she reckons there was no script for it really they just pretty much put her, Burt Reynolds and everyone together and gave them a loose idea what to do and said, just go for it. There was no actual script, which I'm not sure how true that is. Yeah, fair. I mean, I can kind of see that being true, just from obviously watching it earlier on, just the way some of the dialogue and that comes across. But yeah, that's interesting about the cause. I mean, I've drunk cause in the past. I'm not a big fan of those sort of like light draft type beers and everything. I always find it just tastes a little bit too watery for me. But um yeah, I didn't realise um, back in the day, had, um, obviously it went off so quickly. That's probably why they must have wanted to put it in the film, just to obviously get a bit of recognition and um, free promotion more than anything. I was going to say, I imagine Cause probably got something out of this, because it's quite heavily mentioned and you see the, the crates and everything. So I imagine they had, they had a finger in this film somewhere with a bit of money. Oh, fair. So as JT mentioned, we are going to pull the synopsis from Wiki, as usual. So thank you to whoever's written this. And uh, here we go, Smokey and the Bandit. So... Wealthy Texan Big Oncho's Burdett and his son Little Enos have sponsored a racer in Atlanta's Southern Classic and want to celebrate in style when he wins. So they're seeking a trucker willing to bootleg cause beer to Atlanta for their refreshment. They find local legend Bo Bandit Darville at a rodeo at Lakewood Fairgrounds and offer him 80 grand, which apparently, according to Wiki, in 2021 is the equivalent of $357,738. So fair play to whoever worked that one out. Um, the whole 400 cases, of course, from Texarkana, closest place it could possibly legally be sold at the time to Atlanta in 28 hours. The bandit takes the bet on the risky and unpredictable task and recruits his partner, Cletus Snowman Snow, to drive the truck. While Bandit drives a black Pontiac Trans Am, bought in advance from the Bernadettes as a blocker to divert attention away from the truck and its illegal cargo. So there we are. There's the opening and uh, intro to this movie there. JT, what's your thoughts coming back to this one? <laughs> I just love the way this opens up. You get the truck starting up and you hear that, you know... The engine start and you see the grill and there's a close-up of it. And then you just get fucking Burt Reynolds in massive capitals comes up on the screen, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, fuck me, you can see sort of he was a big name back then and certainly was big on the screen when his name appears. 
And then we get the titles rolling and some country music playing, which is like the theme tune of the actual film. It runs throughout the whole film. Apparently it's a massive song. I can't remember who did it now. And it takes up a fair chunk, doesn't it? I mean, this film's not particularly long. You get about five minutes of just a montage of a truck driving along with the bloody music playing. We did that fucking music. Like, we had a long way to go and not much time <laughs> to get there or something. I was like, That's fuck, it. You know, as That's soon as it got into my head, I was like, and like you say, <laughs> times in the bloody movie, like fucking Boxcar Willie or something like that. I don't know, some country singer. But um, yeah, it's certainly a memorable song one way or the other. But um, yeah, I know what you mean about the old font when the movie starts. It's proper retro, isn't it? Like they Burt Reynolds and then all the kind of stuff going on. And then the fucking Sheriff turns up and dressed his geezer. They open up the back of his truck and they start the big cause beer and everything front and centre. Oh, just the acting straight away is so cheesy. I was watching Dallas at one point. It is pretty cheesy, isn't it? The song's called The Legend. It's by Jerry R. Hubbard, which is actually um, the birth name of the guy who was, who actually did this film. No, it's not Hal Needham. I don't know. Um, Jerry Reed, who plays Snowman, I think, actually. Did. So there we go. Oh, yeah, I was looking at Wiki. Um, so yeah, sorry, I over that. I saw scrolling through Wiki while I was saying it. But I like it when old um, you see as a big Enos and his son, and he first walks out to old Bandit and he says, "We want you to do this." And Burt Reynolds just looks up. He does that laugh, which he does throughout the film. He's like, and he takes the piss out of their suits. I mean, they look fucking ridiculous, don't they? I mean, they make Trigger's suit in Only Fools and Horses look amazing. It's like Tweedledee and Tweedledum, isn't it? It's like fucking hell, well, what ridiculous suits and stuff. And he's just so fucking casual, isn't he, old bandit and everything. This is another thing that confused me, obviously. Coming into this movie, I'd heard the name loads of times. I knew of the movie. Smokey and the Bandit. I thought, like, he was going to be Smokey chasing down a bandit, but it turns out ah. he's the bandit. And then they start referring to police officers as Smokey as a code word. It really threw me, but I had no idea what to expect. And then it's like, oh, yeah, we need you to do all this bootlegging. It's got this fucking weird ass truck. I mean, it's pretty cool and everything. He's got this proper old school retro kind of like Western painting on the side of it, which looks brilliant. But it's like, I don't quite get like, is the, I thought, is the truck going to be called Smokey? It's going to be a part of that. It's going to be a combination of things it's going to be. Yeah, I like it when he's blagging them as well for the money. They say, you know, give him the money and everything, tell him what they want him to do. And he's like, yeah, I'll need money. I'll need a car. And he starts counting out the dollars, doesn't he? He's like, I need a speedy car. He counts out some more dollars, and he's like, "No, a speedier car." And he makes him count out more dollars. But that was quite funny. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. And to be honest, I think um, Burt Reynolds or Bandit, should we say, is um, it's quite a likable character, a bit of a kind of rogue in his own right, isn't he? But he seems quite sort of friendly um, and quite sort of like um, kind of charming in a sort of old-fashioned kind of way, doesn't he? A bit of a Han Solo type guy. He kind of is, isn't he? I mean, he was a childhood hero of mine as well, as long with long Han Solo and uh, Indiana Jones, obviously Harrison Ford there playing both of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bandit was definitely a hero of mine, and he is quite smooth, isn't he? And he's not nasty. I mean, yeah, he, he does dodgy stuff, he breaks the law, but not in a horrible sort of way. He's not a nasty guy, is he? He's not, no. And then I know you mentioned a bit earlier, uh, well, last week, when you first said about doing this film, you said, obviously, it's a 70s film, there may be some choice language of the time in there, and I don't think there's much of that, but for the the, um, the kind of roguish good guy, he's actually very mild-mannered. Most of the swearing comes from um, the sheriff, doesn't it, throughout this movie? Yeah, it does. I mean, the, the swearing, I used to watch this, like, when I was, like say, when I was young, um, probably, you know, sort of eight, nine, when I first started watching this film, and um, my parents let me watch it, and yeah, there's only a few shits, isn't there? There's no major swearing in this film. It is fairly tame for, for language, which is a good thing. It doesn't really need the heavy language. I do like it when old um, 
Bert, he goes to get old Snowman, doesn't he? And he walks into like where his trailer, I guess, and his wife's there. And even the kids are like, hi, Uncle Bandit. They all call him Bandit, don't they? Everyone does. He seems to know everyone in every state he goes through throughout this movie. But this guy's Snowman. He's got like a thousand kids running around, hasn't he? And I love he has. He's got He's got a dog who's like a red setter, isn't it? And he's called like Red Fred. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I like Fred. I've forgotten all about him. But when I saw him, he's a big, big unit though, Fred, isn't he? He's a big old dog. He is, yeah. And I, I don't know why, but um, I, I don't really like The Simpsons, as you know. But I remember an episode where Homer becomes a truck driver, and that made me think. This movie made me think of that for a while. They must have obviously channeled some of that into that episode of The Simpsons, but that's what it put me in mind of. Yeah, actually, I know the one you're on about. I like it when old Snowman's getting dressed, and he's like, "I'm not really into this idea." Fucking Bandit's getting him dressed, and he's putting his shirt on, puts his deodorant on for him while he's sort of chatting away to him. Yeah, 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 because he goes in, like, into his bedroom and he pulls the covers back and he's like, puts on the pillow and then he pulls it back the other way and he's just like fucking snoring away to himself. But he doesn't take much um, convincing, does he, Snowman? He's like, not really against it. He's like, yeah, right, let's go. Yeah, and they've got to do 900 miles there, 900 miles back in 28 hours. I mean, that's a big old stint. I don't know if that's even possible, but there we go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the interstate roads are like. Big American roads is where it might be possible. But yeah, like you say, it's a tall order either way. It is indeed. And then Bandit's obviously got his Trans Am and we see um, Fred for the first time and then off they go. They do indeed. So the pair arrive in uh, Texarkana one hour earlier and load up the truck. But just as they head back, Carrie, a runaway bride, intercepts Bandit and jumps in his car, unwittingly making him an indirect target of Sheriff Bulford T. Justice, a career Texas lawman whose witless son, Junior, was to have married Carrie. Bulford, with Junior along, ignores his jurisdiction and doggedly chases Bandit all the way to Georgia to retrieve Carrie while various mishaps cause his uh, cruiser to disintegrate on the way. Bandit attracts more police attention across Dixie as Snowman barrels on towards Atlanta with the contraband beer, but they are helped en route by many colourful characters via CB radio. Neither Bulford nor any other lawman know of Snowman's illegal manifest, whilst Bandit is likewise unaware that Bulford is chasing, uh, Bulford, sorry, is chasing him because of Carrie, whose jumpiness inspires Bandit to give her a CB handle, Frog. That covers like a big chunk of the movie, because before that sets off, we get the first of the many cheesy car chases, and it's a nighttime one. He's driving around in his Pontiac, and we've got that bloody music playing again. And there's this fucking cheesy ass bit where he like he, he pulls behind this like building and the cop car goes past it. And the cops are thick as shit in this movie, by the way. Then he just pulls up and he looks at the camera and just does this really cheesy grin and drives off. It's amazing, isn't it? I've got that here. It's so good. Like the cheesy grin he does. It's just full on. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> sorry if you can hear my cat in the background. She's decided to wake up and start playing and generally be a pain in the ass. She's been asleep all day, but that's the way cats work, isn't it? Um, but yeah, that um, that cheesy grin in the camera is brilliant, isn't it? And um, they, they pull up to that place where they're going to get the cause from. And there's no other vehicles around. It's always the same in these films. There just seems to be like the truck and the Trans Am and no other vehicles around anywhere. And then Bandit just fucking kicks the door in and just starts driving the forklift, doesn't he? He does, yeah. There's no hanging about, is there? Like you say, he is like a crook, so he's like the bad guy, technically. But um, like I say, no one's around. There's no other vehicles. I wonder if that's something to do with the budget, obviously, being so minuscule. They couldn't afford to have that many... I don't know, you've got to pay like money to people in the background and all that stuff. So they purposely chose empty um, locations. But yeah, it's a bit strange. It is a little bit, isn't it? I mean, he gets on that forklift and Snowman's like, no, what the fuck are you doing? The next thing, like, he's pushed like Snowman into the crates of beer and it's all gone wrong. And then it just cuts to the fact 
they're just locking up the lorry and they've loaded it up. You don't see them load it up. It's just all in there and off they go. Well, if that lorry is completely full of beer, that would have taken them a fucking long time to load it, wouldn't it? But like you said, they haven't done lickety split. Yeah, it would have done, definitely. But then, obviously, he's driving along there, and as the synopsis says, he bumps into Carrie. She's just there in her wedding dress, and she just jumps in the car and goes, right, come on in, let's go. And sort of bandit looks at her and goes, uh, all right, then, just drives off with her. He does, yeah, and obviously she's in the wedding dress, and she just starts getting changed um, like next to him. She's got her bag and everything. He doesn't seem that phased by it, and I love the fact that he's driving. He's got the top down, and his cowboy hat stays perfectly in place on his head. It never blows off in this movie. It's like glued to his head. You're right, and later on, um, old uh, Sheriff Buford, when he's um, he's his car, like his roof gets um, taken off quite a bit later on. He gets his son to hold his hat on, doesn't he? I didn't think of that that with Bandit's hat, but you're right; it never fucking moves or anything, does it? One of his mustache is flapping in the wind. Didn't really notice that either. <laughs> but I have to say, um, I've said previously when we did Star Wars, I, I thought like, Princess Leia was my first crush, but. Thinking back on it, I think I had a thing for Carrie in this film, and um, she's quite nice, old uh, Sally Field in this film. Obviously, she's my mum's age now, but I did think she was quite nice in this film. She definitely has a bit of a Princess Leia look about her. I was thinking that, especially when you see her in like the sort of wedding dress and everything. The first film I ever saw Sally Field in, I quite like her as an actress, but um, the first one I ever saw her in, I think, was um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, if you remember that one ages ago, but um, yeah, I thought um, she had that certain Princess Leia look about her. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've seen Mrs. Doubtfire um, a long time ago. It's not one of my favourites, I have to say, so please don't pick it. But anyway, maybe you will now to stitch me up. But then we do first get to meet older Buford Justice. And um, there's these guys, isn't there, like, that have broken down by the side of the road. And he walks up to him and he just knees one in the bollocks, kicks the other one up the ass. And he says, um, have you seen, like, this bride and everything? And they're like, oh, yeah, we saw her getting in the car. And then he's just fucking... To suddenly go, these guys like right, don't go anywhere, and off he goes, and just leaves him stuck, sort of stood there by the side of the road. This sheriff, like, he feels like he should be in a different movie because he gets out <laughs> his car and he's got this cheesy fucking music playing. Uh, he looks fucking ridiculous with his like pencil-lined fucking mustache along his lip and everything. And he comes out, and he's got his dopey son with him, and he's like holding his hand out, and the son gets a cigarette out, puts it in his finger, then it's the wrong way around, so he turns it around and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, are we watching Laurel and Hardy now? Has the movie changed? And I haven't noticed. <laughs> this is the main thing I did remember about this film was the sheriff and his son. Like I could, obviously, I remembered Bandit and Snowman, but I couldn't really remember much about what they did. But some of the little bits that they did together, I did remember because they're kind of like the comedy relief, aren't they? They are. They're definitely uh, slapsticks. I thought old um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum from the start, the two guys who set it up, might have been in it a bit more, but they're literally only top and tail of the movie. We see them again a bit later. And obviously, it moves on to the, um, the sort of restaurant area where they stop and old... Um, Bandit's in there, isn't he? And he's like ordered a cut of cheeseburger, and he's just sat there, and he's got this proper like fire engine red fucking shirt on, big cowboy hat. He's quite, re- you know, you'd remember him if you saw him. And um, I know the sheriff hasn't clocked him at this point, but the fucking sheriff comes in and orders a burger to get served in like the blink of an eye. Talk about fast food, and he's there sort of talking to Bandit, and he's got grease running down his fingers, fucking sauce all across his mouth and shit. It's just a fucking state. I'm glad you picked up on that because I thought that as well. He literally goes. Oh, what's it? I need a burger. I need it quick. I'm in a hurry. And it's there. She literally turns around and gives it to him. I'm like, fuck me. I wish McDonald's was that quick. But yeah, yeah he, he's eating it like a pig, isn't he? Because Bandit's gone there to drop carry off, isn't he? He's like, well, I'm going to drop you off here now because, you know, there's no point you being with me. 
So he goes in there and then he's inadvertently talking to the sheriff. The sheriff's telling him oh, I'm chasing this fucking bandit and you know, and he's telling him all about him, not realising he's actually talking to Bandit. So then Bandit goes off. To, he's like, shit. So he makes a quick run for it because Sheriff goes for a piss. Then he's like, I've got to take a leak. And he goes to the toilet. So Bandit's like, shit, grabs his food and runs out pretty quick. And then Frog just turns up in the Trans Am, Carrie, Frog, whatever you want to call her. And off they go. But now um, Frog's driving. Yeah, and I thought that was really strange how, like, like you say, Bandit's kind of playing along. He's like, oh, so what's this guy like? You know, trying to get a sort of feel for what the Sheriff's up to and everything. Um and then he offers to buy the sheriff's burger for him, doesn't he? And then he runs outside. And like you say, Frog turns up in the fucking car. And it's like, how does she suddenly just get around there? I'm sure Bandit would have taken the keys with him to start with, but they never do in these movies, apparently. And then they have, like, this long-winded chase. And I swear, in every chase in this movie, and there's a good several of them, a car or a bike ends up in the water somehow. <laughs> a car in a minute gets into the lake for no reason whatsoever. Other than, and it's like, the guy's climbing out and there's like a definitely like dubbed over the top voice of him talking but it's a car usually ends up going into like a fucking lake or something yeah you're right that every time it's a pond a lake a river that yeah there's always one of the cop cars ends up in the water just before that though when um just before frog turns up old sheriff runs out doesn't he well, actually, just after, so they drive off. He runs out. He's got fucking bog hanging out of his ass, isn't he? And the fucking waitress comes up and goes, can, you, can I have that back or something? He just gets it, pulls it out of his trousers. Well, see, how long is that fucking bog roll? He's run all the <laughs> Come out the front door and he's down into the fucking car park. It's like, gross. Which fucking bog roll I bought lasted that long? <laughs> exactly. And then Frog and Bandit are trying to swap seats, aren't they, while they're driving. You've got the sheriff chasing them. I'm sure this is just a, an excuse to show old Frog's ass because she keeps getting up and sort of trying to move and her ass is right in the camera. Not that that's a bad thing. And this is where um, the sheriff, he goes underneath that truck, doesn't he? Like, Frog manages to sort of swerve and avoid it and sort of park up on the side of the road and spin off. And fucking Sheriff and his son just go straight under this truck and it takes the roof off the car. Yeah, it's fucking... Weird. And then, like, he just like fucking get carries on like driving afterwards. Like, I'm gonna get that son of a bitch. <laughs> but this bit here, like you say, it was only a, probably just reason because we've already had Sally feel or Carrie like flashing her legs because they have this conversation and she like puts her legs up on the dashboard and stuff and they're talking about her legs. Now we get to see her ass and everything, but it's like they swap seats and then the next scene they swap back again. So, why do they swap in the first place? And then she's now continuously driving for this whole section, but. They swap for like one scene and then they swap over again. So I don't know if that's an error or I missed something. I don't know. I didn't even notice that. I just saw her continuously driving. I didn't notice they'd swapped and swapped back again because there's a bit here, isn't it, where this funeral procession, this is when Bandit starts getting on the CB radio to various people that he seems to know. I guess he's got a name, a bit of a rep that, you know, he's this Bandit, I guess. So he's, he, these funeral guys are like, yeah, we'll hold up the sheriff for you. This fucking funeral procession just pulls out and like, obviously holds him up so Bandit can get a bit of a run on him. And then, randomly, Frog's driving. They just drive for a kid's football game, just drive straight across the pitch, jump through the fucking stadium and out the back and carry on, don't they? They do, and that's, that just made me think of fucking Dukes of Hazard, that slow-motion, ridiculous kind of like, woo-type fucking jump that they do into like the bloody ground. He starts bollocking her, doesn't he? He's like, oh, you've got to be careful, there's kids and everything. Because obviously, he's not like you know, a reckless sort of driver or anything. He's a good driver because we've seen him doing a few, like, fancy moves and stuff. But he's like, no, no, we've got to get out of here. But just before that, like, there's a cop that they drive past. He's, like, in a car who pursues. But he's, like, out of his car having a piss. But he's, like, pissing to the inside of his door. <laughs> in your own car, for fuck's sake. She's like, oh, well, the car for taking the lead of interest to you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it would. And then it cuts to the cop and he's literally pissing into his own car. 
<laughs> there's always coppers and that taking a piss in this film though in these sort of films isn't there they're always doing something stupid like that they're either eating donuts or taking a piss by the side of the road and did you notice as well that some of these car chases they're well sped up particularly like you see shots of the trans am it's fucking properly sped up yeah i did think that it made me think of the old mad max movies because they always used to do that didn't they it's like they're probably driving at like 40 but they need to make it look like it's like he says at one point he's going over 100 so it's just like someone's pressed fucking fast forward on the vhs yeah, exactly. And then they do finally meet up now. Snowman um, and Bandit do actually finally meet up. And Snowman meets Frog. And he's like, hey, nice ass to um, old Bandit. And Frog turns around and goes, thank you. She hears him, doesn't she? Yeah, she's quite kind of tomboyish, isn't she? And, um, quite sort of, like, happy of herself. I thought the chemistry between um, old Burt Reynolds and Sally Field wasn't too bad, actually. And if they were just kind of improvising along the way, I think it helped it seem a bit more natural. That's, that yeah. was pretty yeah, definitely, because they get a little bit flirty here, don't they? They start sort of talking and everything. You know what's coming. You know They start getting a bit, not frisky at this point, but they start getting a bit flirty with each other and sort of talking quite quite sort of flirty to each other. And then Fred just randomly runs off into a pond, doesn't he? The dog, Snowman, goes in after him. I'm not really sure what the point of that is. It doesn't really play much of a part in the film. I thought that, yeah, because there's a whole scene where he's like, oh, Yo, you're all fucking being wet now. I've got to put you in the cab. And it's like, like you say, that plays nothing into it. And then there's this bit, they pull up at like a petrol station. Fair play that actually stopping to refuel because in a lot of these chase movies, they seem to have like infinite fucking fuel in their cars. And um, the sheriff like radios bandit, doesn't he? And it ends up yeah. he's like just across the way, but obviously hasn't noticed him just yet. And he's just like, son, when I get you back, I'm going to find the biggest goddamn tree and I'm going to hang you from it, you some bitch. And he's like, oh. <laughs> bandit, to be fair to him, is actually quite polite. He's just sort of like you know, mugging him off and everything, but he's actually, hey, no swearing on the radio, Sheriff. Yeah, he just keeps calling him, some bitch, that's what he calls him all the time, isn't it? Pretty much every fucking time he speaks to him. Yeah, it's quite funny that he's actually there and he doesn't realise, and then he goes to drive off, doesn't he, the Sheriff, and his car's on a jack, and he, I don't know if he forgot, and he goes to drive off and it's fucking all jacked up, isn't it, the car? Yeah, then they cut, obviously you don't get to see it at the time, because I assume they didn't want to do the stunt, because he drives forward on a jack somehow, Crashes into another car, then it cuts back, cuts away, and then it cuts back, and his son's just led on the fucking <laughs> front, like properly sprawled out, and like definitely just led there and posed for the thing. And he's like, "Dad, <laughs> just like, get back in the sun in the car, you fucking idiot," and all that sort of stuff. And it's like it's so fucking stupid. And then we get another ridiculous car chase. His bandit, he drives for a river, doesn't he? Like you say, there's always water involved. And then another cop car tries to fucking chase him, gets stuck halfway across the river. But before that, another one. There's been another two cars, and they both crash into a river as well it's like three cop cars that all end up in water in this one little scene they do they must have had a fucking thing for it because in a little while i think coming up to the next scene we get the, the biker like the sort of yeah. highway patrolman and he ends up in a fucking <clears throat> lake somehow yeah he does i mean as well i don't know if it's due to the budget but the car chases are all really short there's a few of them but they're all like a minute long at most aren't they they're really short uh, chase sequences yeah they're all sort of like quite punchy just to fill it up a little bit, aren't they? And all the cars, like we've said before, especially in these older movies, all the cop cars, like really nondescript, like just generic looking, um, like American cars, aren't they? Like, I don't even think many of them, apart from Bandit's uh, Pontiac, um, which I think I used to have a toy of, my brother did, we had one of them. So actually uh, gave me a bit of nostalgia when I saw that appear on the screen at one point. I was like, oh, I remember having a toy of that car. Um, but yeah, apart from his Pontiac, I don't think any of the other cars really have much branding on them, do they? No, they don't. They are just those generic, big, fucking, long American cars that all look the same. There's a weird bit here as well. So they're supposed to be 
Snowman said to Bandit, we're a bit behind schedule now because obviously he's got his fucking thing. He's working out where they should be at whatever time. So they're behind schedule. They're obviously on this 28-hour mission. He stops in a fucking truck stop to go and make a phone call. And Frog and Bandit stop to stretch their legs. And this is when they do get a little bit more friendly. And then she finally gets to take his hat off and they do kiss, which is, again, the chemistry between them is quite genuine and natural, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I thought this was a strange part of the movie. Because like you say, he stops off at the um, place and he goes in. And um, he seems to know everyone. Everywhere he goes, he knows someone, doesn't he? Either Snowman or Bandit. And he goes in and he knows like, a couple of the chefs and everything. And he ends up getting in a fight with like some bikery punk looking dudes. Like I say, as soon as you see Bandit and Frog in the woods, you're like, oh, a bit of fucking, I don't really get that on, did I? Hanky panky. But they end up having a bit of a romance. And she takes his hat off finally and his hair is perfect. <laughs> like even wearing your fucking hat for like a day or more or something like this at the moment, and your hair is pristine. That wouldn't happen. I know it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, that bit there with um Snowman, this greaser, and it accuses Fred of biting him. He's like, well, he wouldn't have bitten you. Doesn't like grease. Every bar fight, I think, in every film, hasn't there? But Snowman does take a pace, and it's not these like really like, ridiculous ones where Snowman actually beats up twenty guys. He takes an absolute battering, doesn't he? Yeah, I thought it was going to be because he walks in and he speaks to like the barmen, like the people he knows, and all like obviously black fellas and stuff. And I thought like it was going to end up being like a kind of fight, or they were going to come out and help him, and it'd be one of those big cheesy fucking throwdowns type, you know, you get in these American films. But he just, like you say, he just gets beaten up, thrown outside, and then he just kind of walks back to his truck and runs over their bikes and drives off, and that's the end of it. Yeah, I like the way he runs over their bikes, though. But the chef or one of the, the black guys comes out and says, oh, I'm really sorry about that shit, you know. And he gives him, I think he gives him his food, doesn't he? And he gets in his truck. But then he gets the last laugh as he, like you say, drives over all their bikes as he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> so now, just after re-enacting, uh, re-entering Georgia, Snowman is rescued by Bandit after being stopped by a Georgia State Patrol motorcycle trooper. And state and local police intensely pursue Bandit and roadblocks and a helicopter to track his movement. With four miles left, Bandit discouraged, um, Bandit, discouraged by the unexpected mounted attention, is ready to give up. The snowman, who initially thought they would fail, takes the lead and smashes through the roadblock at the fairground's main entrance. They return one minute after their time limit, but instead of taking the payoff, Carrie and Bandit accept a double or nothing offer from Little Enos, a challenge to run up to Boston and bring back clam chowder in 18 hours. They quickly escape in one of Big Enos's 13 Cadillacs as police flood the racetrack. And there's still a bit more of a chase and everything here, but it's kind of like the movie just sort of came to a close pretty quick, I thought. But this is where we get that fucking state trooper and he's chasing them and Bandit starts going across the fucking motorway sections. And somehow this fucking bike, he's following him and suddenly goes up a ramp and ends up in a fucking puddle or something. It's like bloody hell. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? And um, like the, there's a copper as well and he's got a speed gun and he, he says, oh, that, that he stops Snowman, doesn't he? And he's like, you were doing 96. And I'm thinking, I don't think that truck could do 96. And it's, it's miles an hour, he says, not kilometres an hour, I think. And I'm pretty sure um, trucks got limiters on. They can't go that fast. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Especially, obviously, big rigs hauling and everything. There's probably all kinds of stuff on there. It's just done for the movie, I guess. But we get this kind of weird section now there's a few little chases all kind of combined and at one point he's got like all these other truckers and people helping him and we get a bit of um i wouldn't say racial stuff but a bit of stereotype because there's like this fucking cop car and then this like chinese driver drives by and he's just like banzai and drives past the fucking police car and knocks the door off and i was like fucking that was a bit obviously of its time and everything but a bit on the nose 
That was quite good, that bit, wasn't it? There's um, there's people out on the roadside now, aren't they, with banners, with bandit on and everything. They're all cheering him on as he goes past. And then, I don't know if it's in this bit or it might have been in a little bit before, but he gets sort of involved in a convoy, doesn't he? he um, he's, he's obviously got the coppers after him and he, he radiates ahead and there's all these truckers and they're like, yeah, we'll hide you in our convoy. And they fucking, he sneaks in between these two lorries and then another one overtakes and blocks off the cop car. But there's one point where it drives off and the cop car is there and all he had to do was look in his mirrors and if he'd seen Bandit behind him, he doesn't seem to. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. And how they never notice him in this fucking, like, say, red fucking shirt and cowboy hat and this black car and everything, he does stick out a bit like a sore dick in the motorway, like, driving along. Like, the amount of cars that pass him and they don't notice it's Bandit is insane. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as well, like, he's got a chopper after him just before the end when he's about to give up. And he, obviously, they're giving directions from the air. The coppers are coming left, right and centre. I mean, if he did give up, I wonder what kind of sentence he would have got. Because Bandit's trashed a million cop cars. I mean, he hasn't killed anyone, as far as we know. Certainly not on purpose, but I don't think he has. They, he's, they all seem to get out these coppers, a bit of sort of comic. They all, A lot of them just sort of get out of their car and say a, a sort of one-liner, don't they? And you've got Snowman obviously smuggling booze, so they'd have got a pretty hefty sentence if they hadn't given up. Yeah, I mean, you'd have probably got the biggest smuggling the booze, isn't it? Um, that's obviously be illegal. Obviously, that is illegal, but obviously that would be one day they'd pen on him. They'd have banned it just for like dangerous driving, reckless endangerment and stuff. But I thought this bit was, um, I don't know, I just didn't really go with the flow of the movie because he's like, oh, we got, obviously there's quite a lot of cops behind him and he's starting to be like, oh shit, you know, this is much more than I anticipated it would be. And it's like, we've got four miles to go, but I don't think we're going to make it. And it's like, why would you say, like, after you've literally got four miles on your way ahead of the police officers, why would you give up? And then Snowman's like, oh, don't worry, I'll take it from here. And he literally takes over Bandit, and then they're there. So it's like, yeah, you're going to give up, and you're literally 10 seconds away from the fucking finish line. It just, I don't know, it just made no sense to me. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, 900 miles, they've done 896 miles, and he's about to give up. It does seem a little bit limp, doesn't it? And then Band, um, sorry, Snowman just smashes through the roadblock, like again, fucking smashing up loads of cars and whatever. So, and they just turn up, and then Enos and his son, they're, they're there and they're drinking champagne. I'm like, why would you want fucking shitty cores when you're sat there drinking champagne? What is this big thing about cores? It's not even that very nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And they're, they're not short of a few bob, are they? So, like you say, they've got the champagne and everything, but he smashes through that fucking roadblock, and then they're just magically in this fucking festival, this fairground, wherever, and somehow the police haven't followed them. I know a few of the cars have kind of blocked their way, but it's like, how have they managed to just do this right in the fairground and the cops don't know where they are? Yeah, it's a bit fucking stupid, isn't it? And then they all just jump in that red Cadillac or whatever it is and just drive off inconspicuously. No one seems to notice until obviously right at the end. Yeah, when old fucking Sheriff like crashes his car and sends his son off to do something, then old um, Bandit sort of radios him and all that sort of stuff. And he's like, you know, i got to say I've been chased by the best, but you know, you're you're the best and everything. And then they sort of have a bit of mutual banter. And then he's about to send him to be like, oh, yeah, you can come and get me. I'm, you know, wearing a blue suit and a big hat and I've got a smaller version of me next to me. And then he thinks, oh, no, no, actually, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm right behind you. But then it ends with them just giving chase again. And I assume that's where the kind of sequel's coming. I don't know if it follows right on from that. That's what I was thinking, the whole clam chowder thing. Maybe that is smoky too. I really can't remember. Um, but it seems a bit random that they would have accepted that and just gone off and then it didn't follow on. But I, I really don't know is the honest answer to that. Yeah, it's weird. So just the last bit of synopsis is pretty much what we just mentioned there is after passing Bulford's badly damaged cruiser on the roadside, Bander gets on the CB and initially directs him to the uh, Burdettes, 
and then respectively gives him his real location right behind Bulford, who continues his chase, leaving Junior behind with no more parts falling off his cruiser as he limps off after Bandit. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, that's Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> it's quite funny, that last little bit there, as he drives off after him, his fucking tyre comes off. Then he just rolls off down the road. I mean, there's hardly any of the car left. Because just before that, actually, one of the last sort of scenes, he gets pulled over by another copper. So he's in a different state. And he's like, I can't let you drive that piece of shit on my road. It's fucked. He doesn't say fucked. He's like, you know, you just can't drive it. And old Justice, old Buford Justice gets out and gives him a proper mouthful, doesn't he, to the point where he's like, do you know who I am? I'm Sheriff Buford T. Justice. And in the end, the copper's like, all right, fucking on your way then. Just lets him go, doesn't he? I thought that speech was actually pretty good. And again, it's yeah. just, he's such a larger than life character, but he just doesn't seem like he suits his movie. Like he should be in something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's uh, Smoking the Bandit, as we say. So the only thing left to do now is to uh, give this one some scores. And, of course, it's JT's turn to go first as he chose this one. So uh, take it away. Okay, then, Bread Rolls. So, as I said at the start, this was a massive childhood favourite of mine, but I hadn't seen it for about 35 years. So, again, showing off my age there. Um, I watched it last night, and I have to say, I mean, it is pretty terrible. The story's bad. The acting... Carrie Fields and um, Sally Field, sorry, and uh, Burt Reynolds. The chemistry is great, but in general, the acting is pretty bad. Um, the sped up car chases is shit and really short, but I did still enjoy it, I have to say. I mean, it's very of its time in places. Um, and as I said, I think Frog was probably my first crush rather than Princess Leia looking back at it. Because I do remember, you know, getting those little feelings when I was a kid, you know, when you start sort of noticing women. <laughs> um, and obviously, she was with Burt Reynolds, he was a bit of a hero of mine. I mean, he's definitely cool, Burt Reynolds, in this film. And I really wanted to be Snowman for the whole truck driving thing. But watching this again yesterday, Burt's definitely the cooler of the two. Old Justice and his son are so shit, but they do provide the current relief. And they have some great lines between them. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't get out of my way to watch this again in a hurry. But I would quite happily stick it on in the background just for a laugh. Um, it does leave Netflix at the end of Feb. So I, I am glad we snuck in because it's been on our list for quite a long time. And if people haven't seen it, it's worth a watch just for a laugh. So how to score this? Well, really, it should only get one other, as it is pretty dreadful. But I am scoring for my heart, so it's going to get three others from me. And that's one for the film, it's one for nostalgia, and then an extra one for Frog's ass. So yeah, three out of five for me, <laughs> Bread Roll, three others. There you go. Only on the Hyperbaric podcast will someone get an udder for an ass. I mean, that just doesn't happen anywhere else, does don't, it, really? Please don't cancel me for that as well. <laughs> I oh, mean it brilliant. in the nicest possible way. <laughs> oh, brilliant stuff. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I had no idea what to expect from this film. Like, going, I have to say, my, my thoughts on it going in were completely different to what the film actually ended up being. But I'm um, kind of glad I watched it because we like doing new films on or films that we haven't seen, respectively, in this Um but yeah, I just, these sort of films, they don't really interest me that much. I mean, I'm glad I watched it because it is a bit of a classic and I did have fun watching it. I mean, it was stupid, of course. The fucking, the acting was dreadful. The moustache was ridiculous. The fucking <laughs> cowboy hat. Justice, I thought, was brilliant. But like I've said a couple of times, I don't think he belonged in this film. Although he made the film and he was the comic relief and he did it very well. I just felt like he belonged in a different movie entirely. But um that being said, you know, it wasn't too bad. It didn't outstay its welcome. I could see why it's been a classic and why it probably was popular back in the day because it's quite a easy watching, probably rewatchable of a certain, you know, ilk 
type of movie. You could just stick it on in the background and you don't really need to follow it as such. But I don't know if I'd be rushing to watch it again, but I would watch it again if someone rec- you know, suggested it and we'd had a few beers or something. Um, yeah, Burt Reynolds, like I say, I'm not overly familiar with him. I know of him and I've seen him in a couple of bits, but I thought he was all right. But, you know, his acting's not great. Sally Field was okay in it. Um, the soundtrack was fucking dreadful. <laughs> Stupid bloody hillbilly rat thing going on. But at the same time, it was really catchy. And that song that played over and over every time there was a chase, you just ended up sort of tapping your foot a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it was amusing. Um, and comedy value, yeah, it was good fun. But it's definitely not a movie that would uh, would make my shelf, so to speak. So I'm just going to give it two out <laughs> of it's entertaining, it's of its time, and it's easy watching. It's not offensive, I don't think, anyway. Um, so, yeah, two others from me, JT. Oh, good stuff, Brad Roll. That's two others more than I thought you'd score it. I actually thought <laughs> you'd fucking hate it. But then, actually, when I watched this last night, I thought, maybe you won't hate it as much as I think I thought you would. Um, yeah, no, good stuff. Two others. And um, I know what I'm getting you for your birthday now. I think you can get the soundtrack for this film, so watch this space. Oh, geez. Well, I don't own a CD player. Basically. <laughs> Oh, well, I'll find another way of getting it to you. Don't worry. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Cheers for that. Spoiler alert. That's right. <laughs> right, so there is our review of Smokey and the Bandit. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you think of this particular movie and the scores we gave it. You can get in touch with us at the Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. And join us next week as it's my pick. And I went back and forth um, through the different sites and um, streaming things. And I came to two or three movies. That I thought, yeah, we could do that. But I thought, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with um the 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 trope at the moment. I'm gonna do one of my childhood classics, and I, I dread to think what you're gonna make of it because I don't think you've seen it, and I know you don't really like these sorts of films. But it is a um a George Lucas Ron Howard collaboration. <laughs> it stars Warwick Davies and Val Kilmer, and it's called Willow, and oh. it's available on Disney Plus, and it is one of my all time childhood favorites. Probably the movie that got me into fantasy, and you know I love fantasy and um all that sort of stuff so i'm putting that one forward <laughs> okay I, I think i have seen it isn't it haven't they just made a tv series of it or something or am i dreaming this or something's happening no, they've, they've redone it. it yeah but it looks dreadful so i haven't watched it but the film from i think it's like 19 i don't know it's done after the last um return of the jedi because warren davies was in that and then a lot of the people that played the ewoks pretty much play a lot of the villagers at the start of this movie without giving too much away. But um, yeah, it's, um, they have done a TV show, but I haven't watched it. Uh, yeah, I thought I had. Yeah, I, I, I think I have seen it, but probably when it came out. Um, and I always, I think I get it confused with Labyrinth as well for some reason. Um, but yeah, no, it'd be, um, be interesting. Um, like I say, it's not my normal thing, but you never know. I do like older films as well. If it was a modern take on it, like say the TV series, I probably would hate it. But I've, I've got a bit of nostalgia for these sort of older films. Ah, very good. So there we go. We are doing Willow next week. And as I say, it is available um, on Disney Plus. So if anyone wanted to watch it ahead of time uh, before listening to our review, then that's where you can find it. And uh, for this week, thank you very much for joining us. And this is Bread Roll signing off. And from JT, I've just got one last thing to say. There's no way, no way that you came from my loins. As soon as I get home, first thing I'm going to do is punch your mama in the mouth. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm East Pounder.